the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it, a friend or family member lost on it, or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello, welcome to this episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. Special family day edition. (laughs) I'm your host, Heather Mosier. In studio with me is, as always, my husband, Donnie. But we have have another special guest in the studio. It's my 16-year-old son, Eli. Hi, Eli. Hello. (laughs) Yeah. He is here visiting for spring break, and I thought, how cool to have him on the show with us today. That's right. And so I want to say that the Relevant Recovery Radio Show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a detox and two-year aftercare recovery program. The detox is located inside St. Joseph's Hospital downtown. If you would like more information, visit www.matthewshope.org or give us a call. We can answer all your questions over the phone, 844-263-4673. And you are listening to us on KPRC AM 950 Sundays at 1 p.m. Central or on the iHeartRadio app. Just look up Relevant Recovery Radio. Or if you just search under Podcast Recovery, we're typically in the top five or six. You can find us fairly easy. Yep, yep, yep. All of our past episodes are there. So every week, Heather, we come to this show and we talk about what a horrible drug addict you were uh-huh. and what a high-bottom drunk I was. Yeah. You know, functioning, job, sure. money, all that stuff. Sure. Right? And I thought it would be a nice switch up this week to maybe, I'm going to sink down from my high horse a little <laughs> bit and we'll talk about food. Yeah, food addiction. We're going right. to trash Donnie today. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a fatty. <laughs> No, not not really. You you used to be. I yeah. think I wanted to do this this show about food addiction because it's something that's very prevalent in our society. Something very yeah. common. Well, I, it's something common in recovery. Absolutely, because it's like you um, you take somebody, uh, you take something away from them that provided like drugs comfort or alcohol, and they switch. They right? switch. They switch. Sex was, or food, and, and it's super common. Yeah, and so we want we want to kind of talk about. You know, starting out with food, being young, and and the things that food provides. A very long journey. I, I don't know about expertise. I want to remind our audience that Ex- anything we say, we're just two idiots. They gave microphones. <laughs> Speak to. for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not this an is idiot. all opinion and guesswork. Yeah, what I'm saying is, like, a lot of people do struggle with food addiction. There's yeah. there's a 12 step fellowship for that. You found freedom in a regular 12 step fellowship, not particular to that. Yeah. We're I, gonna, I did do Overeaters Anonymous for a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, I found out they use the same 12 steps of the right. other fellowship I'm in. So, And so I want to jump right into this idea of, of food addiction. Let's talk first about like childhood habits, because I think a lot of, I don't have food addiction, but I have had issues with food and weight at different points in my life. Yeah. Well, you and your son, Eli, are recovering from something I called Oklahoma. <laughs> So right. here's what's funny, because like in my childhood habits, I didn't know that there was like when you go out to eat, oh, I get to go out to eat. I thought all food was like drive through, like I, like fast food that I know today. Like yep. I really wasn't a napkins and like different forks. 
Right, like Eli, what would you say? What are your like top foods? What do you eat on a daily basis? What do you love the most? Just fast food, basically. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you have. Yeah, really. And or fried. Like my mom would cook home cooked fried, you know, meals. But well, I think your parents have like five menu items, right? Five and they're things. All fr- they're all fried. Fried chicken, meatloaf, spaghetti, steak. But it's always going to have like mashed potatoes, Those macaroni and cheese. fried salmon patty things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's very Southern food where I'm from. I, I make fun because I've I've gone to Oklahoma probably 25 or 30 times now. Yeah, with us. Since, mm-hmm. since I've been with you. And I typically have to eat a healthy diet or I become fatty McButter pants, right? Like I have to use butter to get my pants on. <laughs> you have to live by some more strict rules than I do for sure. And when I go to Oklahoma, I almost have to bring my own refrigerator and kitchen with me because there's almost <laughs> nothing hard. I can eat up it's there. It's hard. I just... And, you know, to my parents, they, they teach... Everybody teaches what they know. There's a culture thing, yeah. you know. And so... I don't fault them, right? They didn't learn either. And and my mom, you know, struggled with mental health and stuff and wasn't really able to, like, mentally grasp healthy food or I, I got to give my kid a salad. What were or, your top foods as a kid? What I, did you here's eat? what's crazy. Uh, my mom would try to get me to eat carrots, but the only way that I would eat a carrot is if she gave me a cup of granulated sugar in the cup and I would dip the carrot in the sugar in and the eat sugar. it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were a trash panda as a child. <laughs> I was, yeah. Okay. But I just thought that that was a normal snack. I thought everybody ate sugar cubes or carrots with sugar. Did you just say sugar cubes? I would eat sugar cubes. My mom would buy me the box of square sugar cubes. My son is shaking his head yes right now. We would eat those in school. Yep. Like as snacks. You guys are kidding me right no. now, right? No. Nope. This is for like, real. So listen. Sitting in the middle of class and we'll just whip out like sugar, sugar cubes, cubes uh-huh. and we'll start eating them whole. And so it's just like a little snack, and you're not like aware that this is something that my dentist is going to lecture me about 20 years from now. I don't, I don't know how you're not a walking like diabetic case. It's like crazy, case right? Study. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know that there's a culture piece and like like a, a childhood piece. To I didn't it. I didn't eat so well either. Uh, so. As a kid, we didn't have a lot of money. My mom was entering the stages of sort of a prescription drug addict. Not yeah. even sort of, she was. And so it was me and my younger brother and the youngest, those three brothers, and we had to figure out what to eat. And we ate a ton of hot dogs, cold or hot. We didn't yeah. care. Just grab them out of the package and eat them. So do we. Um, bologna sandwiches. Oh, no. We upped the bologna game. This is the <laughs> difference between Houston, Texas and Oklahoma. We take a piece of bologna, lay it flat on a plate. Uh-huh. Put a piece of sliced cheese on top of it, microwave it one minute. The bologna puffs up into a bowl, and the cheese melts in the middle. That sounds like a good, tasty snack. It was it was pretty pretty <laughs> delicious. Not good for you at all, but it was delicious. And I remember when you and I met and started dating, um, my, I was a year sober or so, 18 months sober, somewhere in between there. My diet consisted of tortillas and butter, beef jerky, Oreo, Oreos, um, Red Bull, coffee, Dr. Pepper, yeah. and you were like, oh my gosh, let me please let me teach you how to eat. That was literally when I started to realize that I was dating a trash panda. <laughs> and I hope everybody out there that's listening understands a trash panda is a raccoon. Uh, yeah. And raccoons love to eat out of the trash. Garbage, yes. Yeah. But I didn't know that. I remember in Sober Living, my best friend Michelle cooked me Brussels sprouts and asparagus for the first time. I'd never seen it. Mm, this is... I I've remember, when I, took you, remember <laughs> when I took you for sushi for the first time. Yeah, I didn't know how to order. Um... I took it for Japanese. I mean, oh, the list goes on and on. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, we're going to keep talking about food. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We will be right back after this quick break.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. Uh, Donnie Mosier here. Heather Mosier. Sitting with my wife, Heather. And And our son, Eli. That's right. Talking about food. Food, which Eli doesn't know much about. Well, here's what's hilarious. Uh, Eli's 16 now, but when he was 15 and he came to stay with us over the summer, I I needed to provide food for this kid, right? Right. And I remember asking him, I said, hey, Eli, what's your favorite vegetable? What'd you tell me? Strawberries. (laughs) Strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's not joking. That was literally his answer. And I thought, oh my gosh, you can take the person out of Oklahoma, but you cannot take Oklahoma out of the person. It's ingrained in us. It's like an affliction. <laughs> it just doesn't go away. But I think that life happens in these childhood experiences of how we're raised or what our defaults or habits develop. It carries into adulthood without realizing it. Because it becomes comfort. Yeah. Right. So when I'm a kid, even though I'm eating bologna and cheese bowls and I'm eating hot dogs, at the time they provided the nourishment I needed. They they tasted good, and so they like develop into this comfort food. Yeah. So that when I'm older and I'm in a not so good place, I'm stressed, whatever's going on, those are my go-to's. So would you say? You're one of the people that eats when they're stressed because I'm the opposite. Oh, yeah. And and so here's. If I'm stressed, I don't eat. I will go all day, like unintentionally. I I can't eat. I'm I'm stressed. The worst part, I think, for me with my childhood is that my mom, my mom was a hardcore diabetic. Yeah. A diabetic that would eat three gallons of ice cream a week, that would buy bags and bags of chocolate. When we were kids, she would have these bags of chocolate in the freezer in the garage, but lock it. Ah, for her? Yes. Okay. And we weren't allowed to have it, so we would spend our whole childhood... Trying to get to the chocolate. ...breaking into the freezer. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And we would get that chocolate every now and then and go crazy. So it was kind of ingrained in your mind that it was like a taboo thing, like like you're winning something if you get the chocolate. Absolutely. And so that creates that rebellious spirit to try to get it, right? Like any kid. But from me and Eli's perspective in Oklahoma, it was just part of the norm. Like who doesn't have soda pop at dinner? Water? Water? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Who drinks water? Who drinks water? We don't even need water. Yeah, it's not even like, (laughs) we're not even like 60% water. That's crazy. Is there any food, Eli, that you, that's like your go-to comfort food? Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. I mean, mm-hmm. I respect that, though. But I would agree with any form of cheese, wouldn't you, Eli? I love cheese, period. I yeah. like mac and cheese. I like cheese sticks. I, just any form of cheese. I love cheese. I love cheese. <clears throat> Except cheesecake. Well, that was the other thing that I found out when Eli was with us was that his list of what he will eat is about five or six things. Yeah. And it blew me away because I grew up, I mean, one of my brothers was finicky, but the other two of us would eat anything you put in front of us. Your poor youngest brother. He, you, y'all were older than him. He was the youngest yeah. of three, poor Eric. And he would always say he would eat with his arm around his plate, covering his food, trying to protect his food so yes. that y'all didn't steal it from him. Because we did. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we did. We were bigger than him. We took his food away. So as we get older, as I got older, um, as I go through stresses, ups, downs, and all of that, I turn to food because although I didn't know it then, it was it gave me a comfort, even though momentary. Right. It was sort of a go-to for enjoyment. So I was always small-framed and kind of just like built like a gymnast, athletic build, without trying. I mean, I did gymnastics and stuff, but I remember when weight became like an issue mm-hmm. um, was during my pregnancy with Eli's sister, his mm-hmm. my oldest child, Hannah, and she's 19 almost now. But looking back on it, I gained 100 pounds while I was pregnant with Hannah. Lord. And... 
I remember always arguing with the doctor and saying, I'm not eating too much. I'm, you know, but just healthy and portion control wasn't in in my mind. It wasn't in my consciousness. My favorite thing to do would be to go to the 7-Eleven and get one of those giant frozen burritos and cover it in Arby's sauce and relish. I would eat one or two every afternoon, which I know sounds weird. I don't even know what to say but, right now. But you know, now. like pregnant people eat weird stuff. They eat pickles or That's they, true story, they yeah. dip french fries yeah. in ice cream or, or what my thing was the big old burrito, the Bob uh, from 7-Eleven. Big old burrito. <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember just thinking, okay, people gain weight when they're pregnant. So were you never taught any uh, sort of dietary guidelines as a kid? You just didn't pay attention? It wasn't taught? Did Oklahoma schools just teach like, if it's fried, it's good? No, there was like the food pyramid thing that you get in school, right, Eli? Where you learn like grains and Mm -hmm. meats and dairy, but... By the way, if by accident... I think that's all a lie now. If by accident, somebody from Oklahoma that's not in this room is listening (laughs) to this show... We make a lot of jokes about Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma. It's a great state. Yeah. It's a great state. It's like it's like Texas's like little off cousin, you know. It's, well, off cousin. Yeah, wow. Just kind of, I, and I bet you, mat. I bet you there's tons of people who eat healthy in Oklahoma. I just wasn't raised around them. Seven. I did the count. There's seven <laughs> people in Oklahoma that eat healthy. But for me, I just remember after I had my oldest child just being so depressed. I don't know if it's just postpartum or And so you eat to feel better. And so I I was home all the time. I wasn't out doing, you know, I'm just taking care of this kid with call. It was like a dark place for me. Mm-hmm. And then nothing fit. Clothes didn't fit. I'm not supposed to wear maternity clothes anymore. I'm no longer pregnant. And it was just really sad time. And it's a cycle. The problem is that it's a cycle in that, like, if I have a drug or alcohol problem and I get into a program, I can, I'm abstinent. I don't yeah. ever have to put a drug or, or drugs or alcohol but in my system. you can't be abstinent from food. Right. But so so after I had my daughter, it, it took a while, maybe two years, to lose most of the weight, never all of it. But then I got pregnant with Eli here three years later, and I remember gaining about 60 pounds with him. Mm. And I had not lost all the weight from the first one either, but I didn't get as much weight. That's as- 60 pounds quite a bit. Aren't you like 4'2"? Uh, no, I'm 5'2". Oh, five, oh, sorry. That would be... A small person, <laughs> Donnie. <laughs> it was four uh, two. My daughter's four eleven, and my mom's four eleven. So that's we are, what I was thinking. Okay, there we are. In short the people, the females. Yeah. Um, but probably I just, from poor nutrition. <laughs> we just stopped growing at eleven. Yeah. <laughs> but I just never learned any different. Now I'll say that I lost that weight over like stress and depression, not like actual solution. I didn't d- change my diet. Of, you're opposite of me. Right? I didn't exercise. I didn't change my diet. Just well, you still don't. Well, I know, but <laughs> I'm not a food addict, so I can get away with it. You're yeah. not. Yeah, I have to you, exercise. You are. And so for me, that was kind of the uh, scope of my 20s, was that str- or my early 20s, was that struggle of stress not eating mm-hmm. and that depre- losing weight due to like unintentional fasting, if you will. I wasn't even aware of it. I was just busy dealing with kids and trying to and potty you're, train. You're and the same way now. So I watch you. And when you get stressed, you actually eat less. Where if I get stressed, I eat more. Yeah. I start grazing. So how did your weight change or fluctuate in your 20s? When did food well, start becoming like, hey? When I was 12. <laughs> yeah. I mean, roughly. My parents got divorced when I was 12. I think I started eating for comfort then. Um I didn't get real fat in my teen years because there wasn't a lot of food to eat, but we ate garbage as well. Yeah. We did not eat real well. We we were literally one of few families in our suburban neighborhood that did not eat well. 
whereas in Oklahoma, you guys were one of many. <laughs> right. A, right. So we, I started gaining weight, a little bit of weight in my teens. And then I, you know, I had to take a little time out tour for about a year in rehab when I was 15. Uh, and then in my 20s, I put on a little. In my 30s, I put on a lot more. And I think it was the older I got, the more stressed my life got. Mm-hmm. More and responsibility. I always turned to food. But you know what I've done? probably since my mid to late 20s since, is I yo-yo. Yeah. I would eat horrible and then go on some crazy diet and drop it all and then gain it all back and then go on some crazy diet and drop it all. I've been doing that my whole life. Right. I was just super uneducated on... I remember when we were dating and you were teaching me, because I went vegetarian with you for those first two years Mm -hmm. when you taught me how to eat. Mm -hmm. And I just remember it being a completely new idea to me that my body needed things from food to be healthy. I know it sounds so basic, but I really just thought... I believe you. I I only eat to satisfy the hunger feeling. Like you wait until you feel hungry and it's uncomfortable. And then you put some food in And then I put tasty stuff in. And then that feeling goes away and you're good. That is insane to me. It really is. I Um, never realized, and I know it sounds real basic and like, duh, how did you not? But I never really correlated that I need to eat vegetables. I need to eat salads. I need green. I never thought that I would feel better. And be less depressed if I did those things. Well, and so the problem is, is that in my 30s, I started to really overeat and I started to comfort eat and I started to do all these things and I started to really put some weight and on. And drink, because you were drinking then too. Yeah, and yeah. there is nothing better than a water burger at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> While um, you're drunk? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember like the tap, like... <laughs> Like the tap of the police on my windshield because I had passed out in line at Whataburger. (laughs) That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We're talking about food addiction today with Donnie and my son, Eli. I want to read this from an article about obesity in the U.S. in 2021. Now, these are facts that you just you just got off the Internet. Just the interwebs. You know, we just use the googly. Well, I I didn't want to say that name because Um, if it comes from them, they're probably just talking about how horrible Trump is. Anyways, so this is from the World Population Review website, and it says for 2021, the obesity rates for men is 37.9. So almost 38 percent of all men are obese and 41.1. 41% of all women are obese, and this is twice, double the number that it was 30 years ago. That's crazy to me. It's crazy. That's crazy Something's to me. going wrong here. And yeah. so we were really looking at this and talking about our own personal struggles. And what I want to say is our, your struggle with food versus my challenges with food are actually very different types of challenges. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that very clearly when you and I got together and lived together. Right, right. And, and, and when Eli stayed with us, I noticed it with him immediately. <laughs> right. It was just, it's very different, the kind of things that we have. We'd be going to the grocery store and be like, hey, Eli, what do you want? You're like, nothing. He didn't want anything. He couldn't pick anything. And do you remember when you took me grocery shopping when I first oh moved to Houston? Yeah. And I couldn't pick anything. Yeah. And it's this weird idea that I have a whole grocery store and I can buy whatever I want. And you get six things. But I, I have no idea yeah. what I want. Yeah. And where I as I want all, all the, the things. things, yeah, the 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 chip and cookie and candy aisle. Let me just clear. But it. But here's what's funny: when we started going grocery shopping, I thought maybe I want Oreos, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd get a package of Oreos. We take it home. Maybe two or three days later, I'd have one, maybe two Oreos. Mm-hmm. 
Where'd they go? I, I put the package up in the pantry, and I'm saying a week later, maybe two oh, weeks later. Yeah, those darn Oreo gnomes. No, I would go look for them because I only ate two, and the whole package is gone. And I'm, <laughs> You're and like, I'm, where are they? And I've got Oreo crumbs all over my mouth. Like, you were I like, don't know. that package was gone a month ago, Heather. Like, <laughs> right. And so then I was like, what I realized over and over, if I wanted to have any sort of sweet little, I don't have a big sweet tooth. I would right. rarely eat a little bit of chocolate or sweets. I bought you a slice of cake. When did I buy that? Saturday night. Now it's Tuesday, and that cake is still in the fridge, and you've pulled it out three or four times. So let me and specify: you got me a slice of pie mm-hmm. from a restaurant, mm-hmm. and I've taken it out three times to eat on it and put it back in the fridge because I can't have it all. It's too much. It's too rich. Whereas I would have eaten it that night. And so what I started to notice when we were living together is that. I couldn't have anything in the house. You would smell it out. I could hide it at the bottom, at the back of the pantry, and you would sniff it out like All a hound dog, and it would be gone. And I'm yeah. like, and I'm thinking, what in the world? I said, I said to you, why can't you just control yourself? Oh, and it was literally, it was a flashback to my friend asking why I couldn't moderate my drinking. And I correlate it that way. As a drug addict that's recovered, mm-hmm. uh, I people with my family would say why can't you stop right why can't you just yep. stop doing drugs and i couldn't and yeah. i don't have the physical allergy the craving phenomenon around sweets or food you do i have it around carbs in general once i put a carb in my body i have to have more and it and it's this it's literally for me the phenomenon no, of craving it, it is it's no different than drugs and alcohol if you put a pile of cocaine next to a pile of sugar they're the same for you it's no different they're, not only are they the same tempting wise and allergy-wise, damaging-wise. I have the same allergy and obsession with carbs that I do, and it doesn't matter my spiritual condition. So here's the thing, is that I have been in a good spiritual condition, I've been in a bad spiritual condition, I've been in all shades of spiritual spiritual condition, but for some reason, my body, when I put a carb in, and I don't know if it was conditioning from being a kid, I don't know if it's just my gene pool, I have no idea, but when I put it in, I'm going to have more. That's yeah. all there is to it. And I don't have that at all. That's why I can take the cake out four or five different times to finish one slice of pie. And I'll eat until I'm sick. Yeah. I, I used to always, I said it as a joke because I felt really shameful about it, but I know when it's time to stop eating when I'm in pain and full of shame. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and so you and I were vegetarian for the first two years. I was vegetarian for seven years. You were. And then the last two was with me. So why did I have to be vegetarian? Why? Why don't you tell them why you had to be vegetarian? So I got sober in 2013. Mm-hmm. And in 2015, I went to a doctor... Um, and the doctor basically was let me know that I'm not going to live till I was 50. Because you were on all kinds of medication. I was on all of them. All I was on of all heart, of the meds. Heart meds, blood thinners, yeah. blood pressure. You, you were on all the meds. All of them. You're eating like a trash panda. Oh, or just a straight garbage can. Right. Yeah. You're all the things. Yeah. And some people told you some truth in your life, including this lovely doctor that basically... They saved s- my life. Basically, they said, hey... Bro, you're eating yourself to death when in I got, sobriety. When I got sober, I was probably 270, 280, and by my second year of sobriety, I ballooned up to about 340. Yeah. I thought it was like 360 or something like that. You always add on to it because I wasn't fat well, enough for I've you. I've just seen the picture, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's, I don't recognize it that It looks like you. I'm going to float away at any moment. I don't recognize you. It's not you. I recognize the tattoos. That's how yeah. I know it's you, but otherwise, it's not you. I never met that Donnie. Yeah, and so now I fluctuate between 200 and 225, depending on how comfortable I want to be. And so you but ma- I can't put a carb in my mouth. Yeah. I can't. So you went through some changes. 
and yep. dietary changes. Well, and let's talk about it. So I had to have a gastric sleeve. Yeah. Um, there are different stomach surgeries that you can have. You can have a complete bypass where they bypass your stomach, but that's for real, real extreme cases where they just cannot control anything. They can't change their habits. Yeah. Um, the thing about a, a sleeve is that they cut out about 80% of your stomach. So they make a small Literally stomach. like a sleeve mm-hmm. um, that you get full really fast. But my doctor, my surgeon, told me that when we do this, this is a crutch. You can stretch this back out. Right. And, and you need to know that. And I so love... That's share, when I went vegetarian. Share the story where he basically asked you to pay cash for the surgery instead of insurance and why. I love that. Well, basically, he said insurance, it takes a long time for them to agree, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, he said, Typically, people that uh, have their insurance pay for it, it doesn't doesn't take. They put the weight back on. But people that pay cash have a lot more riding on it. Right. And by cash, we're talking my surgery is around $18,000. And so it's important to realize that you were so serious about changing that you paid 18000 cash oh, yeah. to put your money where your mouth is, you know, no and pun intended, to, yeah. uh, to literally say, I want to make this a permanent change, not just some Band-Aid that I'm going to undo later with more bad habits. Correct. I was tired of leaning and, and putting my feet to the side to tie my shoes. I wanted to bend straight over and tie my shoes. Right. I had had enough. So let's talk about the risk factors of having food addiction. Well, before I go, well, before we go there. Okay. Um, because it wasn't just the surgery. Because right, of right, what right. he told me, I had to go to a nutritionist. I had to learn to eat again. And I've had to play with this on and off since 2015. Which is why you went vegetarian so strictly for eight, the next eight years. To get, that was part of that. Yeah, dropped about 140 pounds. Um, and, and when I met you, uh, I started. I was still eating carbs at that time. I was mm-hmm. not eating meat, but I was eating carbs. And I went back up to about 240. Yeah. Right? And, and then that when was you scary. And I, when you and I got married... Uh, and it was like, I quit smoking completely. I quit nicotine. So that's a whole nother thing we'll talk about another day. But I remember quitting nicotine and you and I were fellowshipping a lot. We're going out to dinners a lot. And I put on like 30 pounds, 35 pounds. And, and I'm like. You wear it better though. (laughs) No. Mine goes to my gut. I was super uncomfortable. And, and I was just like, I don't want to like destroy my body in sobriety this mm-hmm. isn't attractive to me anymore you right. know and so you and i made some changes and really sought because we don't want to do these crash diets these fad diets i've done are, them my whole life because yeah you can had tell you all of them i've done all them. of them i've done atkins i've done the juice diet from fat sick and nearly dead that documentary and i bought a juicer and mm-hmm. i did nothing but fruit and vegetable juice for six weeks that's all i put in my body. I lost 50 pounds. Right. But it's not sustainable. You're going to have no. to return back to eating food. Well, I, I left. I had to go on a work trip to Scotland for a month and probably put half of that weight back on over a month Right. for all the Scottish drinking and fish and chips at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but I just think that there was risk factor. My, my risk factors are very different than your risk factors. Right. Because I always joke with you that you're skinny fat. Right. But I think, okay. so where, we, where I'm just fat, fat. No. I just think that we, when we look at people who overeat or have bad portion control, that's one thing. I did it today, by the way. What? I did it today with my lunch. What you did? I, I took that leftover uh, hamburger meat with salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. Uh, this morning before I left, I put about four or five pieces of bacon across the top of that. And then I made three fried eggs on top of that. Wait, wait a minute. This isn't going to make sense to our listeners because they do not know that you are a keto carnivore. 
Okay, so I am ketovore, keto, carnivore, whatever you want to call it. I don't eat carbs. So back when Donnie and I got married and gained weight, we both went on strict, strict keto. And I'm saying we did all the research, all the things, yeah. all, all, all the carb manager, the tracker, all of that learned inside and out. And you and I went very strict keto, meaning less, for me, less than 20 total carbs per day. And we did that for six months, I with me included. In the first year of COVID. So we were home. We could um, cook three meals a day. It was really great. Yeah. And so COVID I helped because we were home. <laughs> we're making COVID sound so cool. But it was pretty good for us. It was pretty us. cool. We had tea time and we were making these keto yeah. meals and we didn't have to be anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, and so you and I quickly lost the, uh, the weight. I, I lost you know, 35, 40 pounds. And then... I got off keto and you didn't. So, right. but we'll talk more about that with the risk factors and stuff coming in because yeah, because I want to talk about what's the fix. What what is the we need to get to some solution here when you're up and down, <laughs> up and down. When you're crash dieting or if you're in sobriety, like how do you fix it? Is it food elimination? Is it whatever? I had to get real honest yeah. about me and what was going on. Okay, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We're talking about food addiction today with my husband, Donnie, and my son, Eli. What up? And Eli talks a lot. I don't know if you've noticed, but I (laughs) barely have gotten a word in. Listen, my son doesn't have food addiction, but I just felt like I needed extra forces here. But he's a lot like you because he doesn't really eat. So we have our own different kinds of issues, and I just thought it would be a good example because he and I don't overeat. How how often do you eat in an average week? Uh, Once a day? Twice a day? Uh... A good eating day for me is probably maybe a meal or two a day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But sometimes I don't even eat a day. So it, it'll come to that sometimes, but not a lot. You just don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. You just won't eat. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say that genetically, he and I have decent metabolism, mm-hmm. but our our failures is a lack of proper exercise every day we tend to be on the lazy side mm-hmm. uh, and culture our, our background of how we what we were taught uh, to not try new things right <laughs> right right and, and so and like poor choices I would say genetics don't play a huge issue um, because we don't have a lot of obesity in our family per se it's just the people that eat really really unhealthy are on those medications just like you were just like anyone in America is well and so that's the thing that I want to talk about as well is that so I was on all the meds pre-surgery, pre-watching what I eat. And so I was on high blood pressure, high blood sugar, cholesterol. I wore a CPAP. I mean, the list goes on and on. I was on about, I want to say eight or 12 meds. And today, what are you on? Zero. Mm-hmm. No CPAP, no meds. Um, and and I not was, just because you you just refuse to take them. You literally don't need them. I was told by doctors that I'd be on them for the rest of my life. And because I think Doctors don't tell you the truth anymore. And the truth is, what he needed to say was what that one doctor said to me. It's changed everything. Stop being fat. Stop yeah. being stupid. Like, start making good choices with your food. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what... And he was right. And it's hard for you, again, because you have that phenomenon of craving where you keep returning to the things that you can't have. And I don't yeah. have that symptom. I have to do food elimination. And for me, I cannot eat carbs. Not even good carbs like fruit. I just can't do it. Yeah. When my body sees sugar. You can't have the vegetable called strawberries, Eli. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's sad. <laughs> Much it's less sad. the su- sugar cubes. Got me there. 
<laughs> but I think that let's talk about the solution to it because you and I both live a spiritual way of life and we always look at any human problem from a spiritual or a 12-step lens. Yeah. How can God help me? How can a spiritual principle or a way of life help me and give me the needed power that I don't have? Well, and I have, and it's obvious, right? I have a food obsession. Yeah. I'm either obsessing about eating sugar, eating too much sugar. I'm obsessing about portions. I'm obsessing about what I eat and when I don't eat. I have a food obsession. Yeah. It's no different than drugs and I alcohol I watch you for when me. you make your plate, and I can't believe how much food you put on a plate because I'm like, your stomach is not that big. And, and in the back of my mind, it's always like, I may never eat again. Yeah. This could be my tell. last meal. You make a plate like it's your last meal. That breakfast I took today that I ate, I should have cut it in about in a half. Yeah, at right? least. I felt so sick after I ate that I thought I may have to go to the bathroom and throw up. Yeah. Because there was a lot of fat and grease in it because I need that for keto, right? Yeah. And so the thing is, is that in, so, in sobriety, as I get connected to God, hey, this food obsession, I can't attack it head on. Right. Now, I've had to do certain things, like uh, I don't eat carbs. Yeah. I, I either eat keto or carnivore, whatever you want to call it. The max carb intake I'm ever going to have on my body is is 20 or less right. a day, period. But that's different for everybody's needs. I'm, I mean, like... This is for me. Right. For me only. The thing is, is that along with that food elimination, what I have found is the more that I am relying on God in my daily life, the more that I'm doing my spiritual walk, meaning my morning prayer, meditation, my evening review... Um, watching for emotional ups and downs and looking at to God for answers, the more the food is under control. Right. The food has been under control really for me since about October. Yeah. I haven't broken this diet once. It's not even really a diet for me. It's a lifestyle. It really is. I I watched because you went carnivore only for a while and you really looked, listened to your own body's cues and you really realized that you do in fact need vegetables. I need some spinach, some broccoli and some green beans. Yeah. And, And I have been trash panda now for more than a year. I don't. I don't follow. I've just given in. Now I just make you sausage patties for your like for your rolls, your Hawaiian rolls that you buy and eat. Just here's what's funny. I needed the education. So what you don't see is how much like raw fruit or healthy things that I do have. But You've been I picking just, it up. I just have carbs and you don't. Yeah. And so we eat different things sometimes. But I think that. Well, if you think about it, right? Um, it's just the two of us in the house most of the time, and we literally shop separate. Yeah. Even if we go together, we, we shop, shop separate, separate, and we eat separate. Like, you have your food that you make, and I have my food and that I, don't I make. And that doesn't mean we don't eat together physically. We do. Sure. But uh, we eat different things, and we, so we shop differently, and we just kind of let each other have autonomy in that way, yeah. rather than trying to force the other to be, because I don't need to be keto. I've been off keto more than a year. And yeah. I haven't gained any weight back. No, you look great. And you and so great. I think my metabolism's. I think ch- Eli's friends were checking you out yesterday. Wow, that's weird. Don't. <laughs> so let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about how we mesh the twelve steps or spiritual compass it, into this. I don't see. Here's the thing: is I did a little bit of OA. Uh, yes, Overeaters Anonymous, and it didn't help me at all. I, I, it did not help me at all. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't work. So if you have an eating problem... It's just problem, a different coping skill. Yeah, go check it out. It, it may work for you. It didn't work for me because I would have had to eliminate all carbs. Right. And I know that now. What really works for me is the 12 But you did eliminate all carbs. Now. Um, I went to OA back in like 2015, And so you weren't willing to do that back then as why. No. I had to get enough pain and Because you were trying to back then still pain. control and enjoy your carbs. But what I'm saying, though, is that if I just practice the 12 steps of the program that I'm in, real simple, those 12 steps clear away anything that keeps me from being connected to God, 
Yeah. And that's the connection that keeps everything under control. Do you think gluttony prevents someone be, from being connected to God? Absolutely, because there's too. shame involved. I do too. And it's and you're destroying your temple that God created, your body. And, right. and that's not okay. If there's a piece of God in every single one of us, then that means my body is a temple. I think that we should take care of it. We should, And I say I fall real short here on exercise. I know I should exercise. You're great. You ride your bike. <laughs> yeah. You do things, right? I might do yoga six times a year for me. Right. <laughs> like, and I'm, I really hate it. I, I just want to be honest that I really hate the fact that you can eat anything you want. You don't have to exercise and you look great. It's not but, fair. But again, I'm younger than you. This may catch up to me. <sighs> I'm so much younger than you. Don't so. you turn forty listen, in a week and a half? Listen, yeah, yeah. but I, I think I think. Listen, I think the keto shocked my metabolism, <laughs> and that people call it carb cycling, and some people don't have to stay on it forever. That was a year and a half ago. It worked. It, my body's still shocked. <laughs> listen, I ate sugar cubes for thirty-four years. Oh lord! And so my body's in so much shock, it has no idea what I'm going to do. Eli's shaking his head. Yes, I really thought she was kidding about this eating sugar cube thing, but no. you do it too. No, it's a normal thing in class. Like kids will just have sugar cubes. Yeah. I got to tell you, never once did I see that growing up. Sometimes the teachers will give out sugar cubes as, like, prizes. Sometimes. Yeah. This is insanity to me. And you thought it was weird. I I don't do it now, so I don't think I'm weird. But I loved eating baby food as a snack, certain fruit baby foods. And you thought I was so weird. Well, when my daughter came and visited, what did she want? Baby food. Yeah, it was definitely a weird Oklahoma thing. I don't know if it's an Oklahoma thing. thing it, or... No, it is. It's it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's listen. So in the end, in so the I'm end so, of all of this, so, the ups and downs, the what my feet can do versus what I ask God to do, in the end, I don't attack food on. I do what I need to do, which is eliminate the things that I have no control over. Right. And then God does the rest. And that's truly the where my life has been. If I am connected to God then the food seems to be okay, along with any other defect slash sin that I have. And I think that that is the broader scope. I know today's topic wasn't specifically eating disorders, because there's a whole larger caveat there. And so I'm talking about just the food addiction with having the the phenomenon of craving that you deal with. What to do when your husband is fat. Even when I weighed double what I weigh now, my problem wasn't the same as yours. I I couldn't even see that. I did. There's pictures somewhere. We'll see. But this the solution. Wide lens. The so, wow, Donnie, really? The solution is finding a reliance on God and and seeing what actions I need to take to get on track. Right. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. We love our listeners. If you'd like to check out any of our past episodes, search us Relevant Recovery Radio on iHeart or listen to us Sundays at one on KPRC AM nine fifty. Eli, any shout outs before we go? Shout out to your friend. I knew you were going to say something. <laughs> But no, no shout outs. No <laughs> shout outs. Okay. Cold shoulder. That's right. That, yeah. Cold shoulder to we know who, right? We know she, who. If mm. she listens, cold shoulder. <laughs> um, and also, you can give us a call at 844-263-4673 or visit www.matthewshope.org. Thank you, guys. Hashtag God, though. <laughs> <laughs>